Hello and welcome to the Race FF podcast. I'm your host, Jaime Garcia. And today I'm finally reaching a subject that I have been mm, not really talking about that much with the um, Race FF podcast, and that is my silver Civic, the 2009 Honda Civic SI that I've been um, building before the podcast started and not really chronicling, uh, couldn't say that word right, um, not really explaining what I've done with it and what the whole point of having, um, that car. And for as much love as the EG has been getting, the silver car has not been getting that much love because, yeah, it's a smart thing not to have multiple race cars. That's, even though the silver EG or the silver SI is um, not really that much of a race car, quote unquote, because it's underbuilt for like most of my cars are always underbuilt for the class that they're in. But, you know, I, I think that it's a really great platform and short of a couple issues that I've had with it. It's been incredibly reliable, and I would highly recommend that vehicle for someone who's getting started in, um, like, track days and track day events and doing, like, time trial in DE and HPD events for it. I think it's a really underutilized chassis for what it's capable of, and... The prices have started to go down on that chassis by a lot. And I think overall the chassis rigidity of it, just because of how far back the engine's mounted into, like, close to the firewall and how, just how, like, the A-pillar almost touches where the uh, strut tower is, it makes the entire chassis super rigid and it, I think handles really well because of that, like this, the chassis rigidity of the 8th Gen Civic. And of course, I'm talking about the 2006 to 2000, uh, or the 2011 model. Those are just really underutilized. They have the good head, the K20 with LSD, and they they have weak points like every car does. But for that one, um... Obviously, the biggest weak point is definitely weight. And that's the one thing the Golden Era Hondas have in droves um, better than the than that Ace Gen Civic does. Um, so my Ace Gen Civic was originally um, purchased with the idea, well, with really one goal in mind. And that was to get kind of like your overall like street tuner car um, and make it like a car you can drive daily, which I do, <laughs> and be able to do a sub two minute lap time at Button Willow 13 clockwise. And um, I've gotten the daily part <laughs> Like, I, I've been able to do that well. Like, I daily the shit out of that car. But 
I'll be honest, the sub two part has not happened. <laughs> um, that has been a big learning curve for me because before I even became an instructor, before I guess most people that know me now through the podcast and know me as the person who's an instructor and going out to uh, compete in now Honda Challenge H4, um, I was just the same as everybody else, just kind of like a okay driver that liked to go on spear like spirited uh canyon drives and um yeah it my lap times were not that great so with the silver civic um the idea was to kind of do like a stage build and for each stage to have a goal so that you don't run into that issue of like you overbuilt the car for your driving and then your driving is almost hindered um, because the car is overbuilt. So I wanted to stay away from that. And with the help of, uh, John from former glory of, uh, corner speed tuning, um, we talked about it and it was really between the SI and the, uh, S2000 out. I was like seriously considering an S2000, most likely at my price range, I was going to be looking at like an AP1, kind of higher mileage or whatnot, but that was the goal, um, to go with a car with very minimal, um, mods and do sub two. And this was back in, I want to say, geez, so long ago, um, I want to say it was like probably 2016, 2017 when I was doing that. And the the way we, we talked about it was we wanted to come out with that stage. So the first stage was really to get me into a respectable lab time and then build up from there. Mind you, at this point, I was in HPD2. So to give you an idea, that's kind of like where Randy from 91 Octane is. And and I was like at around that kind of level driver. And it wasn't uh, because I hadn't tried up to move up. It's just that my skills as a driver was not there. And I didn't have a car that I could just like consistently go out to the racetrack with. So that really suffered as I tried to build myself up. Ah, sorry. Again, no, I don't have the Race F Up uh, Studios back. So right now I am in the garage with uh, my little mobile setup. And the mobile setup is... I'll, I'll, I'll take a picture of it. It's, it's legit, like all the things that I do. And, um, with that, with that car, you know, I, I wanted it to be honest to myself when I made a modification saying that, Hey, like I've reached a certain level of of potential with the vehicle. And now I quote unquote, allow myself to make it a little bit faster. So 
much like I tell all my students when I start out there. Um, when they started out there, I started out there with really wheels and brake pads. And that was it. And really just went for it. And that took me a good while to like keep moving because the goal was 13 clockwise and NASA likes to run several um, different um, track configurations with a button willow. I didn't have that much uh, seat time to really like hammer in uh, 13 clockwise. So I was slow. I think at, at first I was doing like a 220 something, not nothing at all like impressive. But that was just the car was completely stock. And all I had in were some wheels that I really liked, which were the Team Dynamic Pro 1.2 mainly because I'm just a huge fan of BTCC racing and Matt Neal and Gordon Shedden and the Honda team that just does like freaking phenomenal work over there to keep those cars super competitive. And I want to rock those wheels, hoping that somehow <laughs> that, um, that like spirit of uh, competitive road racing would, trickle down to me <laughs> even though I sucked really bad um and I remember like the first couple times that I went out there it was like it was kind of hard because the car's not like how do I explain it both me and the car just weren't like gelling together I didn't know like what gears I should be in I didn't know like what what I should be doing and I wasn't as uh, comfortable as I am now. Definitely, like, a leveling up that had to happen. And, yeah, like, the... I think I ended, like, my first event with the with the car, like, at a 218 or something like that. Like, nothing, nothing to write home about. But I was happy that I was down to the 218s, and I was running... Um, what were they? The Hankook RS3s back in the day. And I was doing a square setup, which everybody is against. And I was going like 245s front and rear. And that was pretty much it. And they didn't rub too much. <laughs> the rears rubbed a bit, but not, not horribly, only under full compression. So, like, whenever I would go through, like, a really big bump and the rear end would bottom out, then then those things would, like, not be happy. <laughs> so, you know what? Actually, instead of... Let, let, let's take a little bit of a turn today. Let's do a little bit of a, of a segment from, like, the guys from 91 Octane. So, you know what? As I'm talking about all of these things that I wanted to do with the Ace Gen SI, I started thinking, well, you know what? What if you guys want to buy an Ace Gen Civic SI? And what are the what are the things that you guys should do? Um, best bang for the buck. The 80 percent of uh, the gains with you know the minimum amount of uh, effort. Before I like talk about what 
my goals were with my car and what um, lap times and whatnot. So, with an 8th Gen SI at 13 clockwise on the whatever 200 treadwear tire, because that's what everybody's going to be running where, let's just go with the Falcons, the 660s, because they're super popular and very uh, cost-effective. I love cost-effective, by the way, <laughs> if you guys haven't already figured that out. So what are my top five mods? Let's say if you're going to go out there and buy an Ace Genesis and you want to go out there and just do like HPDE events, what are like the five, top five mods that I would recommend somebody who's first going out to the um, first going out to track that car? Because this my my recommendation for almost every person who goes out there is the first thing you want to do for any car is really tires and brakes, and that's like ninety percent of the stuff that you can do with any chassis going out to any track day and you'll be 100% fine for like your normal HPD events. But when we focus on specifically one chassis, there are certain things where um, as great, great of a company that Honda is, there's just certain like weak points in the chassis that can be addressed and for not that much money. So, Without further ado, here's my top five list for um, best mods to do for your 8th gen Civic SI for uh, track day. And these are my opinion. Um, I've also compiled a lot of information from other road racers, other people who've had 8th gen Civic SIs, and just like little things that can help you hopefully not run into as many issues that I ran into. And some that other people have run into. So, starting off with the number one thing you can do for your East Gen Civic SI, and I think, hands down, this is the best mod. This is the most needed mod on an East Gen Civic SI, and that is brakes. So, for some reason, Honda outfitted the East Gen Civic SI that curb weight, depending on your trim, hatch or coupe not hatch um coupe or sedan the cars are anywhere between 2700 pounds to 28 whatever so with driver you're looking at close to 3000 pounds the brakes that come from the factory are too small period maybe if you do auto x um and you're not you know really pushing or heating them up as fast, um, you can get away with it, but I'll be honest, brakes are a gigantic weak point. Um, even when I was doing those uh, garbage lap times of like 218 to whatever, high teens at Buttonwillow 13 clockwise, I, and um, to be fair, probably I was over braking, which would make sense. Um, those brake pads got down to almost metal on metal and I cooked the dust shields off of the um off of the calipers, the stock calipers, and you know 
There was no way around it. Like, I, from my personal opinion, would never want to replace something until I feel like I'm reaching the limit of it. But with the brakes, it was such a weak point in the Civic that it needed to be addressed right away. So, what what do I mean by upgrading your brakes? Does that mean just the brake pads? No. With the 8th Gen Civic, it needs all the possible help it can um, to help those brakes just work. So, what do you need? At bare minimum, I think that swapping out to the TSX uh, calipers and rotors is probably the bare minimum you can do in terms of cost effectiveness. Obviously, using a more track-oriented pad. So not an HPS, at least an HP Plus from Hawk. And um, doing that and also, um, you know, running a good uh, brake fluid. Now, from my opinion, after trying a couple different brake fluids, I am 100% on having something with a high wet boiling point. Why wet boiling point? Because oftentimes your brake fluid is going to get contaminated and you're going to get like a spongy pedal. It's not a dig on Motul who sells their 660s or whatever. Those are awesome. They're great, you know, performance um, brake fluids, but they need to be changed often. So Castrol SRF, best thing you can do for it. Um, if you can't afford that, which is really expensive, the next one is the ATE uh, Type 200, which uh, compared to most other uh, brake fluid has the second highest uh, wet boiling point uh, compared to the um, SRF. There might be another manufacturer out there. Um, I've seen so many different lists to figure it out. And that one, I think you can get like a quarter of it for $20 off of Amazon. So that get your tsx calipers remand from like rock auto or whatnot and tsx rotors because the rotors are actually a little bit thicker than the um than the si ones if i remember correctly was the si was something like 25 millimeters thick and the tsx ones are 28 millimeters thick could be wrong but that much more meat on there gives a greater thermal capacity and a greater opportunity to um, dissipate heat. Now, for those vehicles, um, I ended up just wanting to make a solution for that problem, which was BBK. Now, a big break kit, you'll see the TLS... TL Type S brake kit, which a lot of people like. And I think it's dope. Um, but I really like the idea of keeping the Stockmaster cylinder because working on <laughs> the Ace Gen Civic is a nightmare. Like, as much as I love that chassis, it's a pain in the ass to do anything. Uh, doing headers, nightmare. Doing oil change, nightmare. Oil filter is a nightmare to get to. So all of that stuff is kind of a pain in the ass. So I minimize that. 
So I wanted to just solve it and I had the money to go ahead and buy a StopTech BBK. So the ST41 is what I went with. But I think for your average day HPD year, some Hawk HP pluses, some uh, TSX calipers and rotors, and the TSX pad is huge. So great improvement on thermal capacity just on the surface area. I, I don't have a picture of it. I'll, I'll probably post it up um, as a story for this podcast, but on my Instagram. But yeah, awesome thing to do. Um, really cost effective. Not a huge investment. I think you could be in and out for under like 350 or something, uh, depending where you get your parts from. And of course, brake pads. Brake pads are kind of expensive, but yeah, you know, you you can find them. That that's and that's brakes that helps you out like a lot. Now the second thing, the thing that's kind of overlooked and still kind of like a trade secret with a lot of the Ace Gen guys, and I'm going to speak really slowly for this one, is the Moog. Um, problem solver for the front compliance bushing. So Moog, M-O-G, M-O-O-G. The part number is K200794. Now, what this is, is a sealed spherical bushing. And this spherical bushing you press into the lower control arm where the compliance bushing is, and you replace that. Now, Ace Gen Civic SIs, for the most part, are going to be going at over 80K um, right now in terms of mileage. Those bushings, they, they're rubber. They're, they're going to go away. I mean, they're old. So replacing it with that Moog one, it presses in perfectly. It's originally designed for a RSX, but dude, they they're perfect. They fit fine, and you just press that sucker in, and you have spherical front bushings, and you don't need to spend a shit ton of money. I've been dailying mine, road racing mine, and well, doing uh, time trials, not racing. Again, my elitist probably not correct a gatekeeping mentality about racing but yeah that thing is huge and i think i just looked up right before the episode started and they're for sale a pair of them for like 30 bucks off of amazon so bam you get those out press the freaking thing in and you got spherical fronts and that's going to help you keep freaking um your your toe in line under braking and under acceleration so that your alignment and tire wear is golden. And I think for the Ace Gen, definitely a key mod. And at that price, I mean, you can't go wrong. Excuse me there. Now, that alone, having a good brake setup having like a 200 treadwear tire, and I'm talking everything else stock, 
like no intake, no headers, no cutback exhaust. That, and if you're moving, um, you can easily do a 210, uh, button willow 13 clockwise. Like a 210 is completely doable with that. Um, you can go a lot faster. You can look up Jake's thumb. He's done phenomenal work, and I'm always jealous of it because he's going so much faster than I am. And maybe not as built a vehicle as I have. Well, not maybe. It is a little bit less built than mine. So shout out to Jake, Jake Stump. He's killing it out there and doing incredibly fast lap times over there doing sub uh 205s i think his fastest lap is like a 203 202 i'm sure i look in my liked videos and i'll be in there um but yeah just with that alone and if you're not hitting a 210 your car has plenty of capability beyond that so that's a good idea of where you're gonna be at with that chassis now the next thing is coilovers. And this is something that I mean you can go really cheap or you can go really expensive. But I think sometimes trying to find a middle ground is probably the best thing to go with. Um, especially with people who like to fiddle with their stuff, do their own alignment, their own right height adjustment. I think having a decent product that isn't going to like seize up on you when you're trying to do any adjustment or right height or corner balancing, it's going to be huge. So you don't want to get like something that's stupid cheap because then the quality of like the threads and whatnot are just not going to be as good. So what I recommend people do and what I did was instead of trying to fight and figure out what are good spring rates, what are good like valving shocks or what what is you know a good thing to get, you know what? Just pay the money and reach out to an expert and for me that person is Redshift Motorsports. And Redshift uh got me my coilovers. I don't recommend you go my route. I definitely went the baller route, uh, just under JRZs. <laughs> so I ended up going with the MCSs. Um, <clears throat> Chris, uh, I don't know how to say his last name, um, but from Redshift Motorsports, he is a guru. He used to be a Honda research and development uh, guy, so he knows the spring rates to run and you know what he has a really good priced uh bc coilover system and even on my mcss i'm using the bc um adjustable like not i guess it would be the sleeves or collars on the rear of my ace gen si and um yeah, I mean, it's it's a good product. I, I like it. And I think for, like, an entry-level coilover system, it's, like, about 1500 or something like that. Um, I, I would have to double-check the prices. But definitely, for coilovers, just reach out to Redshift. 
reach out to Chris, tell him, hey, I'm doing auto-vaccine, or hey, I'm not doing auto-vaccine because it's lame, so I'm doing road racing, and this is what I'm trying to do. <laughs> Sorry, shout out to all the road uh, auto-racers out there, auto-x guys, um, much love for you guys. Uh, not trying to be elitist there. I know, I know doing that is uh, very hard, and, you know, Tomo does it, so I can't talk shit. Tomo would wipe the floor with me any day of the week. So, definitely uh, Redshift Motorsports uh, coilovers is really where I would go with. He's very knowledgeable, and I'm not getting paid for that. I, I wish I was. But I, I just like the idea of not trying to beat yourself up to try and figure out something someone else has already figured out. And for those of you that are like, well, maybe I have a better build or maybe I have a better idea or how do I know that your build is even any good? Remember, I had both um, Adam Jabay and uh, Tom O'Gorman both drive my car and both said they really liked it and not to touch it. (laughs) And they said, this is a good car. Leave it alone. Drive it. Like, this is awesome. I like it. So, yeah. Um, if it's good enough for Tom O'Gorman and good enough for Adam Gervais, I think they know what they're talking about. And that just goes to show you that the ace-gen Civic SI that I built is uh, not shitty. <laughs> so, next thing. Um, now... Different people will have different opinions. Um, and this is like highly contested. Uh, I ran for a long time on 245s all the way around. Um, but, you know, it really boils down to whatever you want to do. Um, when you're running uh, wheels and tires on an ace gen Civic SI, definitely going at least with a 17 by 8 is uh, recommended. Um, so definitely the next mod would be a good set of wheels that are 17 by 8 preferably some lightweight ones so that you can, you know, fit in the, sorry, that little clicking is kind of driving me a little bit insane. I'm sitting, uh, excuse me, I'm sitting on the Integra seat right now, um, just chilling in the garage, so it kind of creaks a little bit, but yeah. So, a 17 by 8 at least. Um, I'm running currently 17 by 9.5, and they fit front and rear. Um, I really wouldn't recommend running a tire narrower than uh, 235, just if you're going to go with like a square setup on a Ace Gen Civic SI. Now, if you want to know, like, specific offsets and wheel sizes that work, um, I think uh, if you're on Facebook, you can look up um, the Facebook group, the 8th and 9th um, Gen Civic SI Motorsports or Road Race uh, group, and they have a sticky on top that talks about all the sizing and offsets that work i have a unique problem with that the brake calipers just barely fit 
on the barrel of the Enki RPF1s because they're just... The way they're designed, they have, like, this weird, like, um, fold in the inner barrel, which narrows them, which kind of makes uh, big brake kicks kind of annoying because the, like, clearance is super tight. So, like, if a rock ever gets in there, it's going to freaking scratch shit up really bad. Yeah, I got, like, sheets of paper of clearances. <laughs> So yeah, a 17 by 8 wheel at least, something lightweight, the car needs as much uh, help with weight as you possibly can. And then with uh, tires, I really wouldn't run anything less than a 235 on a tracked um, Ace Gen Civica side. It's just, it's just too narrow of a tire to... Um, for all that weight, I mean, you're talking about a car that's close to 3,000 pounds without, like, fully gutting it or whatnot. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely, like, something that you want to try and look into. Some RPF1s are cool. Um, I know a lot of people like the Westport TC105 something. Those are pretty cool. You could go, you know, crazy with wheels all day, every day. But a 17 by 8 and at least something wider than a 235. Now, I will warn you that if you run square and you go anything wider than a 235 on the rear, um, you will rub a lot. Like to keep that wheel from rubbing into the rear uh wells um or what is that the I, I forget the part that rubs up onto the wheel when you have wide tires on the rear i don't know because uh, you have to roll your fenders for that one and the way honda made the rear ones is ridiculously strong and really hard to um roll so those guys are a nightmare and a half to roll. So fourth um, upgrade or update or recommendation is a good set of wheels that are at least 17 by 8. And to make sure that you're running at least a 235 with tire or wider. Um I'm currently running a 255 front, 235 rear, mainly because I won a lot of 235s <laughs> when I was in uh, when I was in, in NASA's TTE class that is now no longer there. That got essentially melted into TT um, six. But because of the horsepower rule, I cannot run in that class anymore. So the next one, next uh, big mod that you can run for that car is... This one's going to be a little bit debatable. So like any car out there, I would recommend you run a baffle. So my fifth one is to get... A baffle for the Ace Gen Civic. Now this is a nightmare to do. One, because there is no baffle for an Ace Gen Civic that bolts in. There just isn't. Because 
the Astrian Civic SI has these big old balancers on the oil pump. So that fucker looks like a supercharger. It literally looks like a supercharger underneath your um underneath the engine block. And it's so big that it just doesn't it, it you can't put a baffle into that thing. So what a lot of people do is they get the RSX Type S oil pump and I think it's a chain guide, tensioner, and chain, timing chain. So this is already, like, you're, you're going to have to pay a shop to do this. Or if you're really handy with tools, you know, good luck to you because there's no freaking room in that car. And I would not want to do that, period. So, to get that done, um, there's a couple manufacturers that make uh, oil pan baffles for it. High tech um, sells you their full kit, and they sell you a baffle that, you know, it it is the shit. It's got all the trap doors and everything. It's like the top dollar one. Now I know. You can Google clockwise motion, um, oil baffle for the RSX. And that one is like a really pretty, beautifully made, like CNC'd aluminum baffle that you would have to modify. And again, I don't know how to modify it. You might have to Dremel some parts out or whatever. But it does fit based off of what a friend of mine, Dennis Kako from Max Boost, has told me. Because that's the one he's running on his Ace Gen Civic SI. He had a shop kind of mess around with it and uh, got that one in there. And that one just slides in into the oil pan galleys. And... So this is something that I hope nobody makes this mistake with the Ace Gen Civic size. But you can't just get an oil pan from an RSX and put it into an Ace Gen Civic SI one. Why? Now you can take the K20 and put it into an RSX and that'd be fine. You can take a K20 from the Ace Gen Civic SI and put it into an EK and you'll be fine. The problem is that the 8th Gen Civic SI rear mount is integrated into the oil pan. So the oil pan is the mounting point for that one. And if you try to get another oil pan, because aluminum is very brittle, and if you are driving Slamtown, you can crack that sucker. And it's best to have an, a steel one, but no one may, at least not that I know, no one makes a steel oil pan that works with the HGN Civic SI's mounting point for the rear engine mount. So because of that, you're kind of stuck. You have to get the Type S oil pump and you have to do the... Um, 
clockwise motion or high-tech uh, oil pan baffle. And you just want to do that because uh, you, you, with the cars now, with the tires now that are out there, they're going to be making really high lateral Gs and you do not want to starve an engine of oil and that's just a shitty way to go for an engine to go out on you. So I highly recommend that you do <sighs> sorry uh, that you do uh, oil pan baffle on those. They're kind of notorious for sometimes having oil starvation issues on the K-series but you do that you're set and you're golden. And that is pretty expensive. Now, you can get away with, and I know some people have done this in the past, and I've done it in the past where you do have a court over, and it's fine because you keep it at a higher level, but it's not ideal because it's more weight, more oil in the in the crank possibly causing some more like um uh what is that like foaming issue or whatnot so it's not a great solution but temporary i think it would be fine um so that's what i would recommend and those are my top five because with those things alone you can hpd the car forever <laughs> almost and not have to worry about um, really reliability issues. In terms of the radiator, I've heard from many people that the stock radiator is still like really well done. So you, you really don't need to get like a giant uh, radiator on it. I did, mainly because I got it for so cheap. Uh, off of a friend, Thomas Lee. Shout out to that guy. He's awesome. Check out his build on Instagram. He he does like some dope stuff with the Ace Gen Civic SI. Um, and I guess with other people, like they they might be talking about doing like Honda, and given the recent stuff that's going on in California with the uh, smog rules, which I think are super lame. Um. The Honda units are awesome and they can help you like run a little bit better, but I think well they do actually have a small compliant Honda for Honda Hyundai. I don't know how they pronounce it, but especially cuz they're Kiwis. Um the owner of Honda is uh, originally from New Zealand, so um they do have a carb legal one, a Honda one that should be fine for getting smog and whatnot. But I'm not sure how capable it is and what you can do with that um, Honda system or whatnot. So, yeah. I say that Honda one could be put in there, but uh, I don't really know. I don't really know. So that for me is the top five mods you can do with a Ace Gen Civic SI that are like going to get you through HPD like three and four and 
as far as you can go without like actually trying to go up against like lap records and whatnot. You have to do more things to the car for that. And to go back to what we were talking about in the beginning, which was the Ace Gen Civic SI build. Um, 210 was my goal for the longest time. <laughs> and to get underneath that with pretty much a stock car, I got down to a 211 something. And I was just like, all right, I'm ready for coilovers. Like, let, let's just go out there and do this. So I ended up getting the MCS, like I said earlier. And I got it from Redshift because he's the shit. And I was lucky enough to um, come into contact with him. And it took a while to source him. Um, but I got the kits. I got what I wanted. I got them with the ASR um, camera plates, which are a huge plus. Because I, li I, I like ASR. Um, and I like all the work that ASR does. So I got those done. Um, and the next goal for me, again, trying to make sure that, uh, I'm not overspending on vehicle mods and spending money where, like, where it matters, which is, um, seat time was to get below a 205. Now, most recently, I, I got pretty close, but this is the, the closest that I've gotten. And that was, I got it down to a 207. Now, mind you, I'm going to start using racer excuses. <laughs> so, the rear tires that I'm running are still from the NASA TTE um, rewards and contingencies. So, they're like six years old. <laughs> And the fronts are heat-cycled as hell, Maxxis RC1s, which are about two years old. And if you talk to most track day people, they don't like the Maxxis because they're not as fast. Sorry, I had to take a uh, swig of water. Um, they're not as fast, but they last forever and a day. So, the Maxxis... I highly recommend for people who are just trying to get seat time out there. Sorry. And um, they, they're they just great seat time tires. Um, they, you know, perform well. They're not the fastest, but they break away pretty easily. They're very um, kind of a progressive grip where... You reach the limit and it lets you know, but it's not like, you know, they're working, they're working, and then bam, they're gone. It's like, no, they they have consistent grip. They're good tires all around, but they're not going to be faster than like a Maxxis RT660 or the Yokohama AO52s, but they will outlast them like crazy. So for me... I had those, then I've been meaning to get uh, my shocks rebuilt because they're blown, <laughs> the rears are at least, so, I mean, they still, they're still there, it's not like horribly bouncy, so, uh, you know, um, 
I've been talking to uh, Big Steve uh, from Falcon Tires, so we'll see if maybe I can switch out from these uh, Maxis out to um, the Falcons. Um, I've been talking to him for a little bit, so we'll see if we can make that happen um, as my new track day tires. And hopefully with that, um, rebuilding the rear shocks, going out on a cool day. Because uh, the time that I did the 207, I think it was a 207.3, I did it and it was like already like 90s, some like high 90s out at a track event and man, it was just like pretty miserable. And again, the car weighs like 3,020 pounds, so and only makes 186 wheel horsepower, so it's like, oh, it's harsh. And it's a real 186-wheel horsepower because it was done on the NASA uh, DinoJet Dino. So, yeah, it's... Like, the car doesn't make a shit ton of power. And at least the new current goal is to get under 205. And once I get down to the 205, then I wanted to add power because, remember... I still don't have an intake. I still don't have uh, um, headers or a cat back or anything like that. So my thought process, and some might disagree, but given what Jake Stump has done recently, I, I think that it's completely attainable to go sub to with doing some power outers to the Ace Gen Civic Assign. If I could get over 200 wheel horsepower, um, which I think is completely doable, um, with doing something like a high flow cat from Burke Technologies and Hybrid Racing's, um, excuse me, Hybrid Racing's um, uh, intake, I think, and of course a Protune, I think the car should be able to get those extra 14 horsepower that I'm looking for and be able to go sub two minutes. But I will not do that until I get to a sub 205. So the goal is for the Ace Gen Civic SI sometime in November, maybe December, to go out there with the um, car the way it is and uh, try to shoot uh, for sub two, 205. I think it's completely doable. It's a good, uh, healthy spot to be in. And until now, I haven't seen anybody else do it, but there's only two cars that have gone with an ace gen Civic SI and the same stock engine, stock being relative, um, but same K20 that it's supposed to come with, have gone sub two. So I don't know if my buddy Sam, if... A couple other people who are out there. If Jake Stump might be the third person to do it, I don't know. But maybe if I get my ass into gear and stop sucking, I can probably be the bronze finisher in that. Um, being the third, or maybe even fourth, or whatever. But I really want to be one of those people that take an East Gen Civic SI to the Sub 2 Club. And I know there's a lot of people like, oh, well, 
there's so many things that are sub two now. Yeah, 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 that's cool, man. But like, uh, th- this is my goal, my goal with this car, and I still haven't given up on it. I know with a better driver, it could do better, but I want to do it with me. So, with that, guys, that is the eighth gen Civic SI build as it is currently. Of course, I forgot to add in that I did do the um, Civic Type R final drive, so I did have to run the Honda on mine just so that the speedometer would read out correctly. So that's the FD2R, what is it, 5.6 or 5.026 something. Whatever the Spoon Civic Type R final drive is for the 06 uh, 2011 uh, Civic SIs, that that's core for that chassis. That Civic Type R one, um, that's that's what I went with. Um, yeah, um, I also got the oil pump uh, ported. I think I got it from Track Tough or. Um, I got the kit from, uh, AFKH or something like that parts. They sell, like, the whole little swap kit that you need, and they port it and machine it so that you can, um, make sure that it bolts into the factory, um, um, positioning correctly. So, outside of that, guys, that's, uh my 8th gen Civic SI um, episode. So, thank you for listening, and I will see you Monday, and please make sure to like, subscribe, and uh, share this if you enjoy this. Like, um, I'm really enjoying this podcast. Thank you very much for listening, and hopefully I get to meet more people, and I'll I'll eventually start doing uh, more track days once the EG is ready and done up, and I'll be doing more testing with it so might be doing some non-nasa events maybe some uh honda time attack with speed ventures or even um some of the vtech challenge but we'll see until then um i will see you next monday guys